Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meet and 3, we're jumping into a world filled with fizz, iridescence, and deliciousness. We're talking about bubbles. It came from the air gas truck. Yeah, no, I never thought about it before that. And I think it's emerged as a bulbous tea shops, a site of Asian American youth uh, identity building. We're called the invisible industry because these products you don't really see, but they're around us in every way, um, every day. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so no one ever told me I had to keep my distance from the ROTC guys marching in front of me, and they suddenly stop. Oh, oh, hang on. Let me answer these. Sure. Go ahead, Lou. Okay. So these ROTC guys, they're marching with their rifles, and then they start marching backwards and begin hitting my hood and street. Wait, wait, sorry. Mm. You got some side hustle interfering with this side hustle, Lou? No, it's... Well, see, friends are texting me all the time now when they're at a bar, asking me which mezcal they should order. But if they're friends of yours, they should know what they want already, no? Well, some do, but for some, you know, ordering mezcal has gotten as complicated as ordering wine. Well, yeah, that does sound intimidating. Right? And ordering great mezcal shouldn't be intimidating. You know, that's the tagline for Ojo de Tigre Mezcal, right, Lou? I know that Ojo de Tigre is the mezcal for all. Well, that's another one of the taglines, Lou. Maybe it is, Chava, but two agaves are better than one. And Ojo de Tigre is made with both espadín and tobala. This is so scary. Has Ojo de Tigre taken over your soul? No, but Ojo de Tigre Mezcal is taken from the soul and expressed with the hands. Now I'm feeling a little bit intimidating, Lou. How would we just have a copita full of Ojo de Tigre and pick this up in the morning? Ojo de Tigre Mezcal Artisanal. It's easy on the land and easy on your wallet. I'm going to unplug you now. If you want to learn more about Ojo de Tigre, visit ojodetigremezcal.com. Your mezcal should be as full of character as you are, Ojo de Tigre Mezcal Artisanal. Light on smoke, full on character. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And in particular, helps them understand the process of cooking the agave in a stone-lined earthen oven, which is not the way it is always cooked, but it is one of the ways that they cook the agave to prepare it for fermentation and distillation. Last episode, we went deep on how the wood in that process in the stone line earthen oven, how the wood affects the outcome of the end flavors. Well, yeah, we didn't resolve some of the issues we have out of that conversation, but we are not going to talk more about it. The wood yeah, thing, no. it's done. But if somebody <laughs> wants to talk wood with us, like corner us at... Uh, I don't. It's some. It's, it's some mescaleria sometime in the future when we don't all have this virus floating around us. Yeah, but only if you're slightly drunk, because otherwise you won't send us. 
<laughs> so okay so we're not going to talk about wood what are we going to talk about young child well now what i want to talk about is okay so the pit oven process is you throw the wood you burn it you create coal it gets ripping hot you throw stones on top of it and there's a second question which kind of stones are you throwing on top of the wood because the stones i like to think of them as the grandparents of elements you know like the electric elements it's just a way, it's an efficient way of harvesting energy and then using that energy to cook the agave. But there's many types so of stones. So in essence, the, the stones are sort of like batteries for heat. Yeah, yeah, elements. Say elements. It's, but you know, but you said, sure. But you said something that I find interesting. You said that you're throwing, like the, the fire in the wood goes down to coals and then you throw the stones in. Yeah. Now, I like the process as I thought I was seeing it, as I thought I was seeing it, Chava, um, was throwing the stones in while the fire was going. Well, that's correct. Yeah. I mean, you, you want the, that coal, like it, that's actually a very difficult moment because you want the, the wood to have enough oxygen to keep them mm -hmm. burning and sure. you don't want to just cover it up with stones and, and destroy the fire. Sure. Smother it. So, so yeah. So it's right at that moment between like where it has enough energy to keep on going it you definitely god. have some coals oh under it oh my god i mean he, like this goes back to that <laughs> whole idea of the 400 decisions what yeah. is the proper moment when is the proper moment at which you put those stones on top of those logs those burning logs that's yeah <laughs> you know and, and i'll say another thing that i've seen is uh sometimes the pit is just dirt and i've seen a number of pits where they've literally lined the walls with stones i've seen it lined with bricks and i love those and those are going to carry they're going to carry the heat in a different way right yes uh yeah, I, I don't know how much that's going to affect though i think it's more so it's easier to clean and you don't have so much dirt on top of your agaves insulation wise i don't know if that will make a, a great difference but the other thing that i've seen now that you're touching this I've seen ornos are conical mm -hmm. and I've seen others are cylindrical. Yeah. And that it's going to make a huge difference in how the heat is traveling and affecting all the agave for sure. Mm -hmm. Because the cylindrical ones you've seen in Michoacan mostly, right? Uh, no, I've seen, I should, I, I hate to say most versus not most, but I've absolutely seen cylindrical ones in the Mixteca region. I've got a great picture. I'll throw that onto the website. I've got a great picture. Uh, One of the most beautiful little Ornos I'd ever seen uh, that was, oh, and it was so frustrating because the, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, the, the Mescalero wasn't home or wasn't at the Palenque, probably was home uh, when I saw it. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, so you have the shape. You have when do you throw the stones in where if the, at what moment do you set the fire is big enough or small enough to throw the stones and then the question arises, which kind of stones do you throw in? And I've seen people throw in like river stones, volcanic stones. Have you seen the popcorn effect though? The popcorn effect? No. Have you ever gone to a tapada where they're using brand new stones? No. I, don't, they, I guess I haven't. They start popping like popcorn and they start flying all over the place. And you have oh. to really take care of your head and eyes if you don't want to be hit by one. Oh man, that's crazy. So that's one of the reasons why they prefer. So there's actually three types of stones. People do not like to use the the river stones because they pop like crazy. So they like to go to get mountain stones like Del Monte. If you don't have any volcanoes around you, 
But if you happen to be lucky enough to have volcanoes, you'll go find some <laughs> volcanic rocks. <laughs> in, lucky enough to have inactive volcanoes around you. But hang on a second. What's the difference between a mountain stone and a river stone? I'm I, I'm not sure about the science behind it. I think the river stones tend to be more to have more crystals into it. They say they're harder, so you, they they just like crack easier. I'm I'm, oh. I'm not a big geological expert, Lou, but uh, mm. they just know mm. that they're gonna crack like crazy, and the mountain ones won't. Interesting. You know, something else as we're talking about this process that I found fascinating is, uh, uh, well, I'm saying a few weeks ago, probably a week ago, but by the time this runs, it'll be months ago. <laughs> um, I had an exchange on Instagram with Herman, right, who we quoted in our previous episode about um, which kinds of wood uh, you use when you're cooking the, in the Orno. Um, I had an exchange with him and we were talking about a couple of things, first of which was oh no, this was with you, was about putting the agave fibers on top of those hot stones before you put the agave in and how that creates smoke, right? Yes. And that's like a secondary type of smoke that also flavors the agave. And I will contend that it's way more significant than the wood smoke. Oh, that's interesting. And I would imagine that much as the different woods impart different flavors, the different kinds of agave fibers, the fibers from different kinds of agave will also impart different smoky flavors. I'm not sure about that one, actually. Like, like that, 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 that's extremely interesting because if that's true, you will be saying that if you go on with my idea of creating pitted mezcal, you can use different <laughs> agave fibers to create different types of smoky flavors. We should get Lalo to do this for us, to do like different batches, same agave, like everything exactly the same, just different fibers. Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be awesome. And then, of course, he's going to make me buy 300 liters to pull this all off. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk with, I have a big family. So if I have all my cousins, <laughs> uh, just buy a liter each, we can go down to like 75 liters at least can be consumed by my family happily. But, uh, but you know, the, but the point that you brought up that I found so fascinating in the uh, Instagram exchange was uh, that there are places that don't use those fibers to yeah. as the shield between the agave and the stone. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Where was it? Well, I thought it was Durango, and that's why we started talking with Herman. But he told ah, us yeah. that in Durango they use the fibers. But he also mentioned something else that's super interesting. He said sometimes they just use plain grass. Oh they, yeah. Because the grass is already wet. They, they use the fiber to protect the piñas, but the, the fiber has to be wet. Otherwise, it'll just burn and won't protect yeah. anything. So some yeah, people, yeah, if yeah. they don't have... I would think that they use grass when it's the first tapada of the season and they don't have any agave fibers. Oh, because they don't have fibers left. Oh, that's an interest. I love that theory. That makes so much sense. But, but okay, so there's one other way of creating a barrier, but there was another one that you brought up in Guerrero. Yes. And what that and that is just cold stones. And what Angel, who is the guy that I buy my Sansecam from, told me, it's because in Guerrero, they don't like the smoky flavor. We'll put a link on the website to explain what Sansecam is. But keep going. Oh, yeah. They don't like the smoky flavor, so they throw these stones on and there's no smoke. This is future Chava announcing that the Sansecam project doesn't exist anymore. You can still find all the mezcal made by these great maestros under the brand name Aguerrido if you happen to travel to Mexico. But if you are in the USA, you can find it imported by Mar Bien Mezcal. 
Adiósito. There's no smoke, and that's why I think, and you know, like, uh, and again, another <laughs> theory. This, this is this is what you think why your mom likes that uh, that mezcal best. <laughs> well, yes, like I've been trying for my mother to drink mezcal for years now. And my mother doesn't drink at all. She, I remember once came to the house and she was like, finally, I found an alcohol that I liked. I was like, what's that alcohol, mother? She's like, well, it's like wine, has like some sparkling. It's called like Mao, Mi. I was like, Moem. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. That's <laughs> the one that I like. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, big surprise, mother. I expected that from you. But then like I've been giving her mezcal all my life. Well, not all my life, but my recent life. And she hates everything. And finally, I buy a Sacatoro, which is a beautiful small agave from Guerrero, bring it to my house. It was Sacatoro meant to be for myself. She tasted it and wouldn't let me take it after that. She was like, this uh. is the first mezcal I like in my life. Why have you been feeding me stupid things? Thanks, son. And that that uh, <laughs> that mezcal, uh, it actually, it's not certified, so it's just an agave spirit. That was made by Ciro? Is that right? Ciro. Yeah, yeah. Ciro Barranca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, okay. So, so there's that piece to it, but then there's also, okay. I'm guessing this is not, there's nothing that is universal, but, um, a number of the mescaleros that you and I know after they've built this, this oven, right? So you've got, you've got some kind of heat generated by some kind of wood. You've got generally some kind of barrier thrown on top of the rocks that are being heated by the wood. And then you throw in the agave and you build up this massive, this massive hill well outside of the earth itself. You cover it generally with something. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's leaves, maybe it's burlap, maybe it's plastic. And then you cover it with more dirt. Right? Wait, 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 wait. But here I want to talk about something else that I think creates a huge effect, which is how did you arrange the agave? Sure. So you yes. have to think of this as architecture, right? Like everybody has a different geometric approach about how to put agaves on top of agaves yeah. and fit the most in there. But it's also because you want to expose the most part of the agaves to the most amount of heat so they'll cook properly to whatever you think it's that means, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some like it medium rare, some just like it well cooked. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it reminds me of that trip we took to Durango where we were at the um, uh, the Venata of Orien Reyes. And they Origen Reyes. <laughs> whatever. And they um, and they had all of us uh, gringos and you, the Chilango, throw the, um, the agave into their Orno. And I thought, oh, this is not going to work well. And I finally <laughs> realized they were jumping in and rearranging after we were screwing everything up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, that's the... If you want to offend the mezcalero, tell them that you want to help during the tapada and just throw everything in the wrong place. They're going to be so angry. <laughs> so, okay, so it's important that where, where the agave is placed to... Well, it's not... It's, it's going to affect the outcome based on how yeah. much space you leave between each of the agave for the circulation of heat, but also sometimes for the circulation of steam. Yes. And that's, I guess, what you want to get to. Some people add water after they cover the, the horno. Some people do not add water, right? Yeah, not a ton of water. Like a five-gallon bucket full of water into this, I don't know, how many tons would an average... Uh, uh, there's not such thing as of an average pit, but I'll say like yeah, six tons to 12 tons. <laughs> yeah. So not a ton of water, but it, it is going to create steam. And then they cover up that hole, 
right? Yep. And and so one of the things that Herman had suggested in that Instagram exchange was that it was turning it into a pressure cooker, which I just I don't buy. And I, like I I you know I I don't want to sound like uh, I'm disrespecting Herman because I have never ending respect for Herman and his family, and but I just don't believe it. Like if it's creating a pressure cooker, wouldn't that just suck in the sides? Well, the thing is, it's definitely probably or blow out the sides. Well, it's probably definitely creating a little bit of pressure because you have all this agave on top. Which one is it? Probably or definitely? It's probably it's it's probably maybe Bjork style. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but well, it has to be creating some pressure without question, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have little spots every once in a while blowing the the dirt off to get out. That's what, that's what steam does. Yes. But, 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 but a pressure cooker. No, no, that, no. that's why you, that's why people in tequila create the autoclave, which is a whole other discussion. We'll probably one day well, I get don't think to it. it. Is, I, I don't, I don't think it is. I, I think we have to explain an autoclave to explain what you're talking about here. And it's simply, it's a giant pressure cooker yeah. that they use that anyone can use. I shouldn't say just they, because there are absolutely people making mezcal who use an autoclave to cook their agave. Yeah. So you can, if you cook your agave in an autoclave, um, you're using steam mm-hmm. pressure in this giant metal cylinder to rapidly cook the agave. Yeah. And when we say rapidly, it's anywhere between like 12 hours to 16 hours. It depends vastly, but it's instead of spending three to five days, just spend or seven days or seven day, or 30 days, some Which, crazy ones, but <laughs> well, but that's not cooking, but, but, but you, yeah, I think it's a fair point. Three to seven days to cook the agave in a stone lined earthen oven versus 12 hours in this autoclave. Yeah. And why is it faster? Because of the pressure, because you can create so, uh, so much hotter environment inside the autoclave, basically. And you're creating well, the pressure and pushing all that steam inside the agaves. Which I see, and that's the point that I find interesting. So you're pushing the steam into the agaves, cooking it more rapidly, whereas the steam that is created within the traditional, more traditional Orno, that underground earthen oven, it's not really pushing into the agave. No, I mean, it's the same as a Dutch, the difference between a Dutch oven and a pressure cooker. I think it's, 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 it's like basically that. I mean, I'm sure it gets more specific than that, but I think like, you know, one-on-one. There's a... There's a there's a whole use for that term Dutch oven that goes back to uh, being in bed, but I'll explain that to you afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. And I, I think we need, really need to wrap this up because we've eaten way more <laughs> than I was sure of this episode. But the last thing that I want to say is that in, 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 when you use a pit oven, you're wasting all the honey that it's coming out of the agave and it's just the- burning. In essence, the agave nectar you're talking yes, about. Yes, but I will contend that that nectar, when it burns, it create fu- creates fumes that actually mm-hmm. impart some flavor to the agave. So in tequila world, this is understood to be the stupidest thing that mezcaleros do. They say, like, you are wasting so much precious sugars that could become ethanol because of your dumb way of cooking the agave. But I really think that there's something in there that creates this magic that we all talk about, but we don't really know how it happens. God, you know, the fact that you, you refer to them, refer to them saying precious sugars. Like I, I'm thinking maybe those sugars aren't so precious. I think that they have to go away. I I think they're precious. 
I really think they're precious. Oh, you think, yeah, oh, you yeah, think, yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. think they're precious. And okay, so then you think that uh, the tequilas that are made in the autoclave taste better than the uh, agave spirits that are cooked in an underground earth and oven. I think they make way many other decisions that work against their tequila on the other parts of the process. But if I could find a way to use the, the, the traditional way of cooking the agave and collect at least a part of those sugars, I'll be so happy. You know, I've got an idea how we could do that. So uh, we should wrap this episode <laughs> for the second time. We should wrap this episode and then you and I will talk about how to draw it and we'll put that drawing. I have a theory about this. Uh, put that drawing on the website for any of these, uh, um, like uh, some of these mezcal companies who are doing things in a traditional way, but with advanced technology could then adapt. Awesome. You know, that's my thing. Okay. Lovely. Catch you next episode, Chavo. Adios, Lou. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.